Hey, and welcome to Friends and Foes. It's a football show. My name is John Dam, and I'm joined with my friends Chris Cortez and Michael Foose. We've got a pre-draft day spectacular going on. This is our final impressions, our final predictions before the 2021 NFL draft starting tomorrow. going to be April 29th. 29th starting up tomorrow. So anything we talk about today, it's probably going to be all thrown against the wall. Tomorrow's all going to be thrown up. Uh, so we are going to be recording this at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we're going to bring the guys in and talk about some things today. We have a show rundown. If you're watching the screen on YouTube, you can see we're going to talk about news and rumors, do's and don'ts of the draft from our perspective, steals, sleepers, and busts, and of course, our final first round mock draft. But let's check in with the guys, Chris Cortez, Michael Foos. Chris, how are you feeling today? I, I feel good. You know, it's kind of like Christmas Eve that we're getting a taste of football tomorrow. I, I'm very excited. And yeah, I'm happy to be here. Well, that's Chris. What about you, Foos? How are you feeling? Did you wake up feeling dangerous? Uh, not today. I don't know. It's, it doesn't even feel like the draft is tomorrow. It just almost feels like it's one of those never-ending seasons of just constant draft rumors and what you want. You hear about a trade coming and all this stuff. Um feels like the, the eve before March Madness where you're like all ready and you think you know what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, a few games in your brackets busted. Um, yeah. And except it doesn't just impact the rest of the month, but it impacts your team for the foreseeable future. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens. Um, as an Eagles fan, I have to temper my expectations, but we might need to talk about that later. Yeah. Absolutely. And we had already gotten some mock drafts set yesterday. And then let's start right off with the news as today. The Broncos and Carolina Panthers make a trade, sending Teddy Bridgewater to Denver for a six-round pick. Gentlemen, your thoughts on the news today? I'm not that surprised. I mean, Ted, Teddy Bridgewater is a guy who it seemed like they overpaid to start with um, in Carolina, that they were just kind of – looking for a guy to, to plug in and Teddy Bridgewater. He had a decent start to his career before his injuries. Um, I mean, Denver grabbing him six round picks sounds like a good deal to me. Um, that's one more guy to have in your, your QB room, even if you believe that Drew Locke is the future. Um, and for a six round pick, even if you cut him before training camp and you end up drafting a guy or trading for another guy, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, Chris, what about you? Do you think this changes Denver's plans at all? You know, I, I do. I, I can't see them taking a quarterback in the first round at this point now that you have Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater and have already hit, kind of have a quarterback competition probably going into training camp. So I, I can't see them taking a chance uh, on a guy in the first round. Maybe later in the draft, maybe they decide to do something. But uh, I think they probably go for another position. I feel bad for Teddy Bridgewater. I just do. Just thinking about the injury in Minnesota, trying to work himself back, and now you know he gets traded for a sixth-round pick. Not not a bad deal for Denver. Carolina's paying for some of his contract, um, so it, it makes it easier to swallow. And um, yeah, you know it's it's a competition. I, I'm interested to see um, who kind of wins that job coming out of training camp. But I just kept thinking, who has? A more of a raw deal. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Teddy Bridgewater, or Josh Rosen. Mm. Like the, the, the kings of the hat trick of 
quarterback carousel. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick been doing it for a while of going to to hold people over, or Teddy's going to go and be the bridge, pun intended, quarterback for whatever they happen. Here's what threw off for me. I had Denver trading up a couple of spots to be New England to get Justin Fields. So that news broke today. All right, we're we're going again. And then, of course, you're going to have this draft where, depending on the first couple of picks, you're going to have these different dominoes that completely go off different paths. Mm -hmm. So we also had a little bit of division trade. The Washington football team traded for the tackle that they traded away or didn't want to sign before. Thoughts on that? I'll let you go on first on this one, Chris. Um, I think I'm still processing it, to be completely honest. Um, I, I'm not really sure what Washington is doing. Um, to be, yeah, just to be completely honest. Um, so, Foose, I, I'm happy to hear. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you have more on this than I do. Um, so much insight, yeah. But yeah, I'm not now, really sure what they were thinking. To me, it just seems like Washington um, thinks that they have an opportunity to compete this year um, and getting a guy like Eric flowers. I mean, he's not going to be a guy that's there long-term. I'd think hmm. um, it's more of let's get some depth right now because we can win. Now they won the division last year. They have a better quarterback in my opinion with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, they have Heineke and um, they could easily draft a guy this year, whether it's first round yeah. um, or whether it's later on in the draft. So um, to me, it just, I, it shows that they think that they can win now and they're trying to add depth to a position in need. Yeah. Which is a good point. Cause you don't always have to get your first round quarterback. I mean, they had RG three and uh, Kirk cousins in the same draft. And Kirk was the one who mm-hmm. actually ended up yeah. lasting out of the later rounds. Yeah. So especially if you have a solid defense like they have, Just shore up, get extra offensive line protection for whoever you do bring in. Uh, Of course, we see Kansas City making another win-now move. (laughs) Basically, this trade to me (laughs) with Baltimore was just like, never again. (laughs) Never again are we going to get to the Super Bowl and have our uh, quarter of a billion-dollar quarterback be running for his life. We're not doing that again. Yeah, so instead know, of just taking a, a tackle, which there's, it's a pretty good offensive line draft in the first round, we, we want a ready made player right now. And Baltimore's like, okay, just give us more draft picks. We're cool. Yeah, as an Eagles fan, um, I can kind of sympathize watching Patrick Mahomes run around to get killed. Um, I mean, Carson Wentz brought some, a lot of that on himself, um, but there was a lot of injury issues with the Eagles the last few years on the offensive line. Um, and I mean, the Chiefs are a team that can win now. They went to the Super Bowl, um, and you know, with a capable offensive line, it would have been a much better game. Um, anybody can see that, and so I think it makes sense for both teams. Orlando Brown wanted to be a left tackle. Um, you got Ronnie Stanley there, who's one of the best left tackles in the NFL in Baltimore, and so there was obviously friction. And uh, I think both teams got out with a great deal. Uh, one of those win-win deals, in my opinion. I guess it more depends on how Brown plays out, how the picks play out. But uh, on paper right now, I think it's a win-win. I I was interested to see this from Baltimore's perspective because I I thought two things. If they keep both picks where they are, um, I would assume that one guy is probably going to be a tackle to replace Brown. And then you can maybe add a weapon um, with the other pick. 
I also wonder with those two picks close together, um, are they thinking of maybe packaging and trying to move up? Um, you know, maybe a little bit, um, kind of to the early twenties, maybe you know, late, you know, late teens, something like that. I, I don't know that they are, and I don't know who would they would be trying to acquire. But to me, yeah, you could you could probably replace the tackle you lost, and you can add a weapon. So I think I think it's a great move for them. Yeah, and to your point, you never know if they might on the back end of the first round. You might have some teams trying to trade up and get that fifth year pick, uh, fifth year option on some of those players. So you might be able to get a couple more picks in the there's, second round because there's so much depth in that second round. There's also a few guys that I think will fall in the draft. Yeah. And so if if the fall ends up being a little bit more substantial, they might say, okay, now we have more picks to package to go and get the guy who's, you know, maybe high on our board, but who's falling down in the draft. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And of course, <laughs> I gave us a, a plenty of space here for the endless copious, never ceasing amount of draft rumors that will roll all the way until the draft starts and throughout the draft event. So, Chris, you had something you wanted to touch base on with San Francisco, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, according to Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo may be on the roster by the end of the weekend or he might die. Um, he said we all might be dead. For, so yeah. who, 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 who among us can know? Who will be on the San Francisco's <laughs> roster by the end of the weekend? Um, kind of an ominous way to say, hey, we're probably getting rid of him. Um, really ominous way to say it. Rid of but him. It was, it was a fantastic press conference. That, that's what I can say. You know, this, this tracks, though. It, that nihilistic type of philosophy makes sense for what they gave up if they do go Mac Jones at third overall. Yeah. So they just don't care about anything because nothing matters. <laughs> so... <laughs> And Foos, let's check in with your team in Philly. You read off about like three or four different rumors There's uh, so for, many for what rumors. people are talking about for you guys today. Yeah. Um, I mean, Howie's apparently calling everyone that has a phone. Um, I got a call from him today asking how much it would cost to move up. Um, but it's just something he does. I love it about Howie. I mean, I'm probably one of the minority of Eagles fans that actually likes what Howie Roseman does. The problem is whether or not some of those guys work out, but he's the guy that can get, get that deal done and get the guys in the building. Um, and so I, I like that about him, but you, you had rumors like the Eagles love Quiddy pay. Um, you have rumors. I just read of um, trying to trade up to get Jalen Waddle um, or even trying to trade up to get Patrick Sertan. So it, to me, it's just all smoke and mirrors at this point. I mean, um, it's going to come down to um, obviously Thursday night and who knows what's going to happen. I mean, I have no clue. So one thing I've always appreciated that how he does from a distance, even as, as a uh, rival fan, is he doesn't overvalue his late round picks. Yeah. So the ability to like... Uh, for example, Dallas finally did this. We flipped a six round pick for Robert Quinn. He came in, had a great season, left. We got a great comp pick for it. So there's no reason for – I think that was the key in you guys' Super Bowl run. He was like flipping lay round picks. We'll bring JHIE. Let's not spend too much. All of a sudden, you guys got a full team. So there's he's definitely a wheeler, something to be – He's a wheeler dealer for, for better yeah, yeah. or for worse. Um, for better, you win a Super Bowl. For worse, you go 4-11-1 and, and you lose your starting quarterback and head coach. So, um, <laughs> you know <laughs> – 
<laughs> you got two sides of the coin there. But yeah. But you got the ring. And really we that's got the all ring. that matters. We got a Lombardi trophy. Yeah. I'm fine. All right. Uh, that's a perfect time. We'll move right along our next segment of the show. Do's and don'ts. This is where we're going to talk about our personal philosophies on the draft. What we want our teams to do, what we think smart for our teams to do in the draft. Uh, we're going to start it off. Common questions with you go best player available versus need. Uh, Chris, why don't you start off us this time? What are what are you thinking for your thoughts for just your team in general, but also good strategies in the draft? Yeah, for my team in general, just thinking about Dallas and um, really how atrocious the defense was last year. Uh, the, I, I feel like even if there were a better offensive player on the board, uh, you, you got to draft defense. Uh, you, you just have to. You got to take the best defensive player available. So you, you go need there. It, it, it is interesting. Um, I was listening to something earlier this week that um, Pittsburgh and Buffalo may um, take a running back at the end of the first round, which I don't love, but... In their mind, it's like, man, there's a missing piece here, and maybe this is the missing piece. I think generally best player available, but um, it really depends where your team is at. Are you one player away? Um, are you a rebuilding project? Uh, are you somewhere kind of in the middle? But I, I would say generally I, I go best player available, but it, it's kind of a case-by-case situation. And for Dallas in particular, you know, let's say Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith is the best player on the board. My thought is we, we've got three great receivers. We need defense. Um, so even if there's a higher grade on that guy, give me Patrick Sertain instead. Yeah, when you get into best player available versus need, um, I generally t- tend towards best player available. Um, but, you know, you get a situation like last year where the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts second round. Uh, when you have Carson Wentz, like, you know, you, you get some of those situations, like you talked about, maybe Waddle and Smith are there for Dallas. And then you just now add a fourth receiver. It's like, is this necessary? Um, so yeah, you want to, you don't want to draft for needs um, just alone. Like um, the biggest thing that comes to mind when I think of best player available is Aaron Rodgers, 2005. Mm. I mean, it was going into the draft. I remember it was Smith versus Rogers. Who's going to go number one. Who's going to go shortly thereafter. And Smith obviously went number one. And then Rogers fell the whole way down. And you look at the draft. Um, and it's like, there are so many teams that passed on Rogers that could have used a really good quarter, like a hall of fame quarterback. I mean, what team doesn't need a hall of fame quarterback? Um, but it seems like they draft for needs that they had that year, rather than looking at the big picture. Um, you know, if you're a team like the Buccaneers draft for need right now, cause you have Tom Brady, you yeah. just signed Antonio Brown, like just get the best player in the building for the Eagles this year, you draft best player available without a doubt, because there are so many needs and you're not looking to win a Super Bowl this year. Uh, I mean, you want to, but let's be realistic. It's not going to happen. You know, I, I would even say, look at Atlanta at four. Um, so Atlanta who had a bad year this past year has a coaching change and all of that. Kyle Pitts is probably going to be the best player available at at that point. And I think they should absolutely take him. You know, do they need an offensive weapon? Could they probably draft defense? Sure. Um, But we're talking about a guy who could potentially be a generational tight end. And you also don't know what's happening with Julio Jones um, over the next couple months or or year or so. And, And so, I mean, they're in a position where I would say if I'm Atlanta at four, 
take Kyle Pitts. Hope you score like 40 points a game uh, this coming season and just try to outscore everybody who cares about defense. You'll figure that out later, right? Um, but it's, again, every situation is different. But in their situation, I would say take Pitts no matter what, figure everything else out later. Yeah. Yeah. And Atlanta, real quick, it, like they're also with number four. They could take a quarterback, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's the best player available versus need thing right there. Like yeah. the number four pick, we can talk about this later with the mock. But it seems like that for what Atlanta does is so pivotal for the rest of the draft. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I also think it depends on where are you in the round. Yeah. So there's certain categories. If you're a top 10, top 15 pick in the first round, well, then there's certain expectations you want from that player. So it's sort of best player available for me within reason of need. So <laughs> Dallas, for example, I'll use that as a as an idea. Or Kansas, you know, Kansas City should probably not take a quarterback, even though they might be the best player on the board in the first round. Dallas should probably not take a running back in the first round. Insert a position where you probably don't need that much depth. Now, I, I, I'll even take that back because I think even within reason, quarterbacks only increase in value. They're always maintain their value. So one of these days, a, a team's going to start drafting quarterbacks early on when they already have their franchise. Kind of. I mean, yeah, like, Chris Smith. Chris Sims could have been right, and um, Justin Fields goes to the Buccaneers at 32. <laughs> now, he usually has a good idea on how QBs will play out in the NFL. He has a good yeah. hit with that, but the draft order, no. no. Somebody's going to pull trigger that bad. way before. <laughs> and, and that comes into the trade-up, trade-down yeah. scenarios. Because usually in, in a round, there aren't 32 first-round talents in a draft. You might have in that 15 to 18 range, sometimes even less, depending on the year. So is it worth getting up to get a certain talent? My general rule that I like for my teams is history shows if you trade up, you typically lose. Trading back, you get more assets, you get more darts to throw at the board. Quarterback is the exception. Now, if it's your guy, which is why we'll give San Francisco a little bit of flack, a little slack, if it's your guy who you think is your franchise QB, doesn't matter who what anybody else thinks. If you think it's the guy, pick your QB. Don't worry about it. Don't play games. Because quarterback purgatory is an awful place to be for a team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think trading up and trading down, it's all about value. You know, um, it's, a, it's knowing other teams to, to a general extent, but realizing, okay, I can get this player, like this player or these – group of players, this tier of players that I'm targeting here at this pick will be available uh, later on back. And maybe I can add some more value um, and build up an arsenal, if you will. Because I think so much of the uh, NFL nowadays is built on rookie contracts because uh, you can only pay out veterans so much. Um, and trading up, it's, it's so hard for me to... Um, say that a trade-up's a good idea unless there's a guy that you love um, and you know, okay, we have a, a fit for him. And especially in the first round, if you trade up for a guy, he has to be starting, like, without a doubt. This isn't yeah. a guy who's a backup or yeah. who, only if he's a quarterback can he be developmental and even that to an extent. Um, but, yeah, I think trading down is typically the wiser thing to do. Um, you don't hear a lot of people that trade down and regret it. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Foose. I think like 
you trade up for guys who can potentially be generational talents. You know, this is not going to happen, but if Jacksonville said today, we're trading the number one pick, you know, I, I could see, you know, a bunch of teams saying, okay, we don't care what the price is. We'll pay it. Um, Cause we have a shot at Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, I, I think with that number four pick that you mentioned, if Kyle Pitts can end up being a generational tight end, you know, I, I could see teams, but there's really only a handful of guys that I think you could say that about, um, you know, very often. And, and I think John, you alluded to this a minute ago, trades where it's like, okay, we're giving up five or six picks to get this one guy have very rarely, if ever worked out. Um, in fact, it works out for the team trading down. I think for the NFL, what's so interesting, things change really quickly. And so if you're able to acquire a bunch of picks over a couple of years, and a lot of those guys end up starting, you know, you you can rebuild fairly quickly and have these guys on rookie deals and keep your team together for a while. And so I almost think like, you know, teams like Detroit, teams like, um, the Broncos that are not in that top five in this draft and probably can't get that generational. You know, I, I think it's almost wiser for them to move back and say, okay, let's see how many more picks we can acquire. And in a few years, we might be in pretty good shape. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's a lot easier to rebuild that way than just saying, okay, we're going all in on one guy. We may not be able to surround him with something, but at least we got our one guy. And one last thing I want to say about this too is it's interesting sometimes you when you trade back it, it makes a lot of sense but other times you know if you whiff on those guys you look like so foolish yeah like you know when um when dallas and jimmy johnson made the herschel walker trade like obviously it paid off for you guys like you guys hit pay dirt um but then you also look at the ricky walk ricky williams trade um and Mike Dick famously traded away his whole draft to get one player, Ricky Williams. But who do you trade with? I mean, do you guys even know? It's it was the it was Washington. And so what did they do with those picks? You know, where was the dynasty of the Washington in the early two thousands? It was nowhere to be found because they couldn't get good value with those picks. Yeah. No, absolutely. And that goes to kind of one of the things I was Think about when you're trading. Have an have a plan of attack that you're going through. Because even with those Dallas picks, if you go through, you got that's how they built their offensive line. We also threw money, yeah. uh, no salary cap at that time. But typically, one player is not enough. So even as much as Kyle Pitts is amazing, for example, I don't know if I want to trade up for him to grant capital now depending on your team right yeah because how many hall of fame pass catchers have we seen go through the league and didn't equate to winning so there's yeah. there's this this balance that it goes through so with anything there's always exceptions um because then you look at okay is it worthwhile for me to give up a fourth or fifth round pick for somebody who may or may not make my team to go up and make sure i get this player before they since they drop further down the draft. So I think also fans and teams temper your expectations. These are, these are rookies coming into the league. Now 
what my expectations are usually if it's a if you're a top 100 pick if you're in the first three rounds i expect you to be starting for the most part yeah so now depending on the position because sometimes you'll be a rotation player like defensive line line but linebackers cornerbacks mm-hmm. you're probably running in a rotation but for the most part if you're a top 100 pick i expect you to start i think for my own team we have this thing where it's if a fifth sixth seventh fourth fifth sixth round pick we get excited like oh we got this guy late and then we're upset when they don't play at all their first year i'm like yeah i probably don't expect them to have that big of an impact that make the team that's pretty good so, yeah i mean even for my like just thinking expectations when it comes to um the eagles you know it's we haven't had that many great drafts lately um you know i'm just hoping for some competent starters from this at the end of the day um you know, it'd be nice to, like you said, to have like your first three rounds be guys that end up starting. Um, but ultimately that, that rarely works out. Um, at least from what I've seen, um, it, it's so hard to hit on guys that, I mean, the draft is just, uh, you're, you're just throwing darts at a wall and hoping that something sticks, um, so to speak. And so, first round i mean definitely should be starter especially on a team like the eagles um but last year i mean third round i think we got a, a linebacker davian taylor and he like saw a few snaps at linebacker and most of his time was on the um, special teams um so you hope a guy like that turns developmental but um you know it's it's so tough to f- be able to look especially nowadays with covid to look at the college and say, how that, how's that going to translate to the NFL? Hmm. Um, I think expectations for this year almost need to be a little bit lowered because of COVID and just how everything kind of played out. Um, because some guys we just don't know about. And some guys, they might have looked great um, once upon a time and aren't great. But now. they've had a year off of football. They yeah, have some. <laughs> um, so, Trey Lance. Yeah. We're, I'm going to help us move it along just a little bit. I think we all agree we really don't like trading within our rival division, especially oh, if we're not yeah. going to try to help anybody get a QB in our division. Now, if it's going to benefit us, meh, cool. But like I think Fusi mentioned in a previous episode, feeling in Dallas swapped like fifth round picks last year. It might have been the first time something in nearly like two decades. Okay. Yeah, and you guys took a center, and we were just like, what in the world? Who, we, who ended up? We, <coughs> who's now our starting center? Exactly. Why? Why? Yeah. Why even do this? Why even yeah. trade? What's the point? What are you going to get out of it? Nothing. It's a lose, lose situation. I mean, maybe if you're a good businessman, you just think in a blind thing. Okay, you're giving me ammo. I'm going to worry about my team. I don't care about the other team. But it's it's even one of those things to be as a Cowboys fan of like if we get wiped down, it's just pass catchers. If the cornerbacks are gone, if the if the uh, <laughs> tackles are gone, I'm just like. I'm just going to take a wide receiver because that means either New York or Philly's not going to get a wide receiver that they want. <laughs> and hey, right. we'll run four wide. Let's go. I mean, that's what we did with um, Dallas Goddard. That's what you guys did with CeeDee Lamb yeah. to yeah. an extent. So, so uh, podium announcements, they can be cringy. They can be epic. All, we all agree that when Goodell gets up there, we're all Philly at heart. We're going to boo like crazy. That's just... <laughs> That's just how it is. I think he's going to move the chair over that they had in the basement. Maybe he won't get like tanked on air this time, 
He yeah. was like sloshed after like two hours in the <laughs> just in the chair. So yeah, it's better than Joe Namath. Yeah, that was that was pretty bad. <laughs> no. Or uh, who, who was it? You guys' kicker that came up and went crazy. David Akers, yeah, yeah. Akers. that was the year after um, Drew Peterson. Absolutely, the back and forth. Although I think one of my my favorite roasts was Pat McAfee went up there. Yeah. And he's talking about Tennessee. It's like, I talk smack, but um, didn't have to do a lot of punting whenever we play Tennessee. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, dude, savage. All right. Moving right along. These, is, these are steals, sleepers, and busts. It's hard to call anybody a bust overall. So this is more about expectations. I think we talked about this before the show. We're going to touch base on day one, day two, day three. What are some people that you wouldn't be surprised if things moved around on? We'll start with day one picks. First round only. What do you guys got for me? I mean, it all depends on where a guy's drafted. Like um, one guy I love at linebacker, Zayvon Collins. He just reminds me of that classic middle linebacker type mold of that Brian Erlacher, that Ray Lewis. He's a playmaker. Um He's just always around the football, and he's a guy that I think can come in and just be a pro bowler um, pretty early on. Um, if he's taken in the teens, I think that's good, uh, good value for him. Um, anything beyond that, though, I think it's a, he's a pretty good steal, um, in my opinion. See, I, I love um, JOK from Notre Dame, and just watching his highlight tape, I, I read a stat that he has like the second best coverage grade out of anybody in the draft as a linebacker, which is like insane um, to me. And, and it's interesting years ago, if you said a guy was a hybrid in that position, that would be viewed as a weakness. I think in today's NFL, it's almost viewed as a strength in that they can do a lot of things. Um, you know, they can rush, they can cover, you know, all sorts of things. I feel like he's going to go somewhere between 15 to 25, but I think he's a potential top 10 talent um, yeah. with his physical ability and all of that. So whatever team gets him uh, to me, that's, that's a steal right off the bat. So I agree. Uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised with pretty much anything in day one, a couple of thoughts I had for first round. I think Christian Barmore is not a first round talent. I mm. think, when you watched him play, he wasn't even a run stopper. They would take him off the field when there were rundowns. So he can get some good push. I, I think because of the talent of this class, he might be picked earlier. But I think if you take him in the top 20, you're probably going to be not happy with the results. Because I don't think he's going to be that every down player. I don't think he's a starter, which if you're picking him the first round, you want him to be. I've said it before. I think Greg Newsom. If he has a healthy career, when we look back four or five years from now, we'll say he might have been the best cornerback in this class. Mm -hmm. So that's an if. So health is always one of those things. So that could be a steal because he may not go until the the later rounds. And then yeah. Nick Bolton, linebacker, he's probably going to go at the end of the first round. He might not even go in the first round. Mm -hmm. But he's not going to be the fastest linebacker. But he's going to diagnose the play, fight through traffic, and stop the play quicker than the hyper-athlete. So those are my guys day one. One other guy I want to throw in there is Rashad Bateman. Um, mm. 
I really look at him and he reminds me of Michael Thomas um, on the Saints, almost just like a lighter version of him. Um, and just the sense that he's not going to be um, quite as good as Michael Thomas, but he has that same um, smoothness I, I see. It's not like great 40 time, um, but he, when you put him in pads and you have him run a route, he's just so smooth and can make great catches. Um, he's probably going to be the third, maybe fourth receiver taken, uh, but I think he could be one of the, the top, if not the top receiver uh, when all said and done with this class. You know, I, I've got Kadarius Tony being taken at the end of the first round. And I, I think for a team that, you know, is in a position to win, he's really going to help them out right away, provide some speed, some playmaking. And I think there's a variety of ways that they're going to be able to use him, maybe even the return game as well. So I think um, he's a guy that will go probably go late first round that I think will make an immediate impact. Yeah, I was looking at our mocks. I think we all have him at the end, end of the first round. Just a few different so. teams. Mm -hmm. So I'll I'll lead up on day two because I want to get my name in before. I think he'll go. He could go anywhere mid second to late third. He may even creep into day three. Uh, Darius Washington out of TCU, free safety. Mm -hmm. He's five eight five nine. I think because of his height, he's going to slide down. But he's a solid one eighty. You know, I've seen him lay the the hammer on two hundred pound wide receivers. He is not going to be as fast as his his back um, defensive back counterpart, uh, Trevor Mooring. But yeah. I think he same thing with Nick Bolton. He's a player. He diagnoses mm -hmm. and he, he won't be their fastest. He from the snap of the ball. He if there's a ball in the air, he will diagnose it and get there across the field before mm -hmm. most other DBs would notice it. So there's Washington. That's my sleeper. By the way, Bob Sanders, remember the safety from the Colts? He yep. was 5'8". Mm -hmm. wow. um, my day two um, sleeper, I guess I'd call it a sleeper. He might even be into day one for me, but that's just my value. I don't think he'll be drafted day one. Sure. Is Elijah Molden uh, from Washington, safety slash uh, nickelback. Um when I watch tape of him, I just see Tyron Matthew. Um, he's just covers the whole inside of the field and can make any kind of play you need. I mean, he, he's great with his hands after the, after the catch, he can punch it out. He can rip it out. Um, he can lay a big hit and he grabs interceptions. It's just, um, he's a little undersized. I think he's like 5'10, 5'11, 180, 190 pounds, something like that. So he's not, um, like a JOK type inside player, um, but he's rangy. And um, I think he's a player, like I said, like Tyron Matthew type role. Um, and I think he can get a lot of turnovers for a team, which in my opinion is what defense is all about nowadays. Okay. So Foose, I'm, I think I'm going to step on your toes um, a little bit because um, I've got Tommy Trimble's name written down um, in my notes <laughs> Um, a lot of people are making a George Kittle comp um, that George wow. Kittle was a guy that maybe didn't have high production in college um, yeah. and then really blossomed in the NFL. And with Trimble's athletic ability, I think a lot of people are seeing that George Kittle comp there. Um, you know, I have Landon Dickerson and Walker Little going in the second and third round. Um, 
NFL.com put out a mock today where Walker Little went in the third, um, which is interesting um, because he's ranked fairly high um, amongst linemen. So I think those are guys. Man, Travis Etienne is a guy who I think is going to start right away, um, depending on which team drafts him. There's good running back depth in on day two. Um, I'm of the belief that this year, none of those guys should go um, in the first round, but I think um, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, you have two running backs from North Carolina um, who can all probably come in and play right away and be productive um, on day two, and I think would be good. But um, the other guy that I have, and it's interesting, some mocks have him round three, some have him round four. I really, really like Kellen Mond. I, I think of the of the guys that will go on day two or day three, I think his physical attributes to me, um, the upside is better than like a Trask um, or the guy from Stanford. Uh, and so I, I really, really like Kellen Mond. And I think you could see some teams maybe choose not to trade up into the fir- into the top 10 um, because they're waiting on a guy like Kellen Mond on day two or possibly even day three. Chris, why don't you go ahead and keep us going with day three? I want to jump right back, though. There was one right, guy I right. forgot. Chris okay. <laughs> mentioned him as the guy from Stanford, the quarterback. But yeah. I really like Davis Mills. Um, yeah. Five-star recruit coming out, went to Stanford, had to sit the bench a bit. Only has 11 starts. But, man, he has a quick release, great accuracy. Um, the question on him, though, is does he have enough experience? And so with the right team, if you can sit behind the right quarterback in a good system, I think he can be a really good pick for someone on day two. Yeah, for sure. It's, I, I think he's one of those guys that really, um, we've talked about the COVID season a bunch in, in college football, that I think this would have been a year where he could have maybe improved his stock a little bit um, and didn't get that opportunity. Um, a lot of people have um, Amon Ross St. Brown from USC um, going in round four. And yeah. I, I definitely think, you know, I've seen Mox having him go in round four. So I think I definitely think he's a day three guy. I would not be yeah. surprised to see some team say, okay, let's try to move up to the beginning of round four to make sure we get him. Um, you know, just some of the tape, his route running is really, really good. Um, and so I feel like he's a guy you can plug him in and he could probably play right away. All right, let's keep it rolling. Day three. That was sort of your. That was a was that your day three pick the fourth round? Yeah, that's round my day action? three guy. Yeah. All right. What you got, Foose? Well, Chris took him earlier, but um, it all depends where he goes. Tommy Tremble, yeah. I like a lot from Notre Dame. Um, very versatile. He can play that H back role if he's if you uh, if your offense rolls that way. Tight end, he's an excellent blocker. Underutilized um, as a tight end, receiving wise. I mean, Notre Dame's tight end you, and that's just part of the problem. Tommy Tremble just wasn't the. I mean, we have. Notre Dame had elite receiving tight ends with Cole Komet and um, the guy that they had last year, his name slips my mind right now. Um, But Tremble was just a guy who did it all. Um, And it's hard to beat that um, in today's NFL where you can get a really good receiver, great blocker, um, and a guy who's just not not uncomfortable doing what you ask of him. Um, Another guy that I like is the running back from Oklahoma, Ramondre Stevenson. he reminds me a lot of the Garrett Blunt um, and just the way he runs. I think he's not going to be um, 
like an amazing running back, but for a day three pick, uh, I think he can be a guy that comes in and uh, is a goal line first down specialist, can give you five to 800, maybe a thousand yards in the right season, um, and just be a reliable guy in the NFL for years to come. I'm not going to lie. I know nothing about the running backs in this draft. I haven't paid attention to him at all. That'll be first round. I didn't take a running back in the first round of my mock draft. So tell you what, just plug somebody in. Just get a good offensive line. Plug somebody in. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, I mean, and then, that, that is most of the NFL nowadays. Yeah. It's just offensive line. So I had a couple of thoughts on day three. Because day three can also spread out. They can be fourth round. They can be seventh round. So it kind of has a wide range there. So sometimes it depends on where these players are taken. Uh, Patrick Johnson, the edge rusher out of um, Tulane. Come think of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I seem to go as high as the fourth round, as late as the sixth round. Anytime you can get edge talent potential to be worth it um, in those late rounds. And a couple wide receivers. Of course, big fan of Frank Darby on Arizona State, the speed. But somebody I've seen slipping even though he had a great senior bowl she smith um wide receiver i've seen him as a day three pick although i think it's hard because wide receiver is so deep it's probably the mm-hmm. deepest wide receiver draft we've had in a decade you know that it's is the the first round talent or those three wide receivers probably comparable if not even a little bit more talented than last year's set so i mean some you're gonna find players on day three, you're going to find players and undrafted free agency. I made a note here. We're going to come back to that. So after we do a recap, because we won't know where these players are going or who even might get drafted uh, or signed for undrafted free agency. So any last thoughts, guys, before we move on to the uh, the big finale of our mock drafts? Yeah, one guy um, that I like also, you, you were talking about receivers, mm-hmm. um, and you brought him back to my mind, is Nico Collins from Michigan. Um Michigan receivers, I feel like, are just so undervalued because they're just so misused at Michigan. They have a terrible passing offense there. I don't know why receivers go to Michigan. Nico Collins had an opportunity to go to Alabama, passed it up for Michigan. I think it was a huge mistake. He's um, like 6'4", 220, 230 pounds, ran like a 4'4", 40. He's everything you want body-wise as a receiver and has some decent highlights. It's just didn't have a ton of production because he played at UM. Um, and so he's a guy where you can put him in the right system and just throw it up to him. And he can either be um, like a goal line asset or maybe he'll develop um, and see his potential because he has all the intangibles uh, just needs to be coached up a bit more. You're on mute. Yeah, John, you're muted. Good call. So there's definitely a lot of talent. <laughs> a lot of talent is going to be at the end of the draft. Um, that's going to be going to be those seventh round picks. Uh, seventh rounds have magic round to where who do you not want to fight over an undrafted free agency? And so mm-hmm. sometimes you take a Ben DiNucci because your brother coached him in basketball like when they were kids. <laughs> and he's clearly... I mean, he's going to have a great career somewhere, just not in professional football. So, <laughs> oh, you'll have a few of those. Gentlemen, the final mock draft. We're going to start off with 
rounds. Picks 1 through 11. All round 1. Clock has started. Foos, you're right there on the left. Let's just, we're going to go pick by pick. We're going to talk about That's who we it. picked across the board. Pretty straightforward. You got, we see unanimous first two picks. Number one, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, he's the number one pick. If they don't take Trevor Lawrence, um, the Jaguars just shouldn't play football this year. No. Yeah, I mean, potential generational talent. It's, yeah, no brainer. The fact I'm one of those guys that I, when I play Madden or NBA 2K, I don't like uh, the my careers that are fine. Give me the franchise building. That's why I like the NC, NCAA 14, which, oh, oh, they're bringing it back. Who knows when we're actually going to get a game? But that ability to, like, franchise build. And I was, t- I was taking teams like Miami and tanking with them for, like, two years just to wait long enough to draft Trevor Lawrence in the trap. So... <laughs> He he's been he's been on since then, uh, since he, a true freshman, won the championship. Uh, Sunshine himself, number one overall. I don't think uh, Urban Meyer comes out of retirement unless he's coaching Trevor Lawrence. That was totally tied together. Uh, who the guy who had the rise, number two overall, to the Jets, who is probably not going to have the career he should because of where he's going. Zach Wilson at BYU. So we, we talked about expectations earlier yeah. and I'll tell you guys, um, you know, having lived and grown up in New Jersey, I remember when they got Brett Favre, a uh, billboard went up on the New Jersey turnpike. Then it got taken down. Then a Mark Sanchez billboard went up when he got drafted. Um, and then it came down. And so I, I know the Zach Wilson billboard is going to go up on the New Jersey turnpike probably pretty soon. And man, the expectations are super high. Um, and you know, we, we talked about it. I think maybe the last time we were together one year wonder, you, you just don't, you don't know. And it, I think it's going to take them a while to build up a team that could compete, um, you know, with, with Buffalo. So I, yeah, you just don't know, but you got to take the talent while you're up there. For Although sure. yeah. with a lot of these teams, you never know if you're going to be up there again. Unfortunately for New York, they're up here quite a bit. <laughs> So, any any thoughts on Zach Wilson foods before we move on? Yeah, I mean, he's. I think you and Chris hit on all the points I'm going to cover. I mean, one year wonder. He has all the intangibles. Uh, going from Utah to New York's a big step up. Um, I'm just going to wait and see. Yeah. And third overall, this is where we have the our first difference. Of course, you guys both with with Mac Jones. I want you guys to tell me why you went there. Yeah, I went I, there because I, I, I feel like um, all the rumors are going that way. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't. I would go Justin Fields here, but um, it, it seems like Shanahan wants Mac Jones in his offense. Um, he's frustrated with Jimmy G not seeing the whole field, and Mac Jones is a guy who has a super high completion percentage and can, can is a pretty good game manager. Um, and it seems like that's what he wants. And so that pendulum swinging from one side to the other and you're getting Mac Jones at three. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I've read that the front office is deferring to Shanahan on this pick and that Shanahan loves Mac Jones. Uh, I'm with you, Foos. I think fields should be the pick here. Um, you, I think you could argue that fields can maybe be the pick at two, um, but I think fields should be the pick here. And, you know, going back to talking about bust, um, 
Mac Jones, if you're drafting him in the 20s, like, you know, there's a certain expectation that he'll probably live up to. Man, drafting him number three and giving up the picks that you gave up to get there, I, I just don't know that he ever lives up to that expectation. Yeah. And and here's, I think you guys will probably be right on this pick. I just can't in good conscience put him <laughs> at the number three overall. <laughs> now, here's... Uh, and and here's why I think you're right. I heard recently John Lynch do an interview. He's like, "Hey, um, you know, we're good. Shanahan likes his guy, and so he's already <laughs> distancing himself from the pick. Like, hey, 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 <laughs> guys, I know, I know, but um, I have heard that when they did interview, because he has had conversations with Shanahan." Uh, Trey Lance, that is. And from what I hear, he's been wowing them in the boardrooms. Like, he's a great interviewee, um, interviewer. He had a good impression. You know, as recently as the past couple of days, they've said they don't know who they're taking yet, which, whatever. Uh, (laughs) We'll see about that. But we might all be dead in a few days. So nothing matters. None of this really matters, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, then I don't have to worry about editing this video afterwards because <laughs> save me some time for sure. So, and that's where we're going to see our first domino. Uh, Chris, you said on our very first episode, San Francisco determines this draft. Then this yeah. is the first place where you see it potentially weave off. And there are a couple more step spots in the top 10 where I think it's not just one pick just creates like, okay, everybody moves a spot down. Like there are different roads we're going to potentially go down to, but Across the board, fourth overall. This is where the quarterbacks are done. Talent wins out. We all have Kyle yep. Pitts going to the Falcons. Did anyone consider doing a trade out or picking somebody else? A trade out to, after what San Francisco gave up for number three. I can't see anybody being able to try to match that to get to four. Um, and I don't think the Falcons will end up moving Uh Pitch just seems like a lock here to me. Yeah, I I just feel like if you don't, so you know, if you're Atlanta, you don't have a quarterback that you love. You have potentially a generational tight end. For the next year, you can just say, okay, we're going to let Matt Ryan air it out to Ridley, to Julio Jones, and to Kyle Pitts. We're going to see what happens. And if it doesn't work out at the end of the year, we'll move on from Matt Ryan. We'll trade Julio Jones. And maybe we'll look for our quarterback next year. Um, I, I just think that's the direction they'll go in. Yeah, agreed. And it seems like we're all on the same page with number five overall. Cincinnati taking Jamar Chase. Going to reunite LSU alum. Yep. So I've, I've heard two things. I've heard from two different draft people uh, who I follow quite close I've heard they also like Panay Sewell, really high on that tackle. They really like him. But the person who I've seen be most frequently accurate, most frequently accurate, has Jamar Chase Cohen. As in, like, other than the top two quarterbacks, he thinks this is the most certain pick that's out there. Yeah. I mean, I think they like Joe Burrow having a good knees, but they also like Jamar Chase. Um, and I would, personally, I would take Sewell. Um, but Chase is the pick I think they'll make. Yeah, I, I've heard um, the comp I've heard a lot is Anquan Bolden, but more speed. And so it's, you know, yeah, that you want to protect his knees, but man, that's a hard guy to turn down. Um, so I, I think they'll go Chase. 
Then looks like me and Foose are together with Miami sticker with Jalen Waddle, number six overall. But Chris, you went with Panacerul. So thoughts on why you went with the tackle here? Um, you know, speaking of protecting knees and the spirit of protecting knees, um, two is a guy with an injury history, you know, and he's your long-term guy that you're invested in. Um, that's an important position to have kind of nailed down. And so that's why I went Penesul there. Um, I, I like Jalen model. I just don't know that I like him that high. Um, so I think they'll go Sewell. Yeah, I heard rumors that they were trying to get up for Jamar Chase. And so originally, mm. before I saw the Denver trade, I actually had uh, Miami dropping back to Denver. Denver coming up and getting Justin Fields. <clears throat> Once they realized they couldn't get Jamar Chase. So I think I could be thrown either way. Maybe they, my thought was, okay, there's some depth with offensive line and they have another first round pick later on down the board. And maybe they could come back and get their, their offensive lineman there as well. But that was my thought price. What about you, Foose? Yeah, I think too, they want to, um, they really want to, uh, to evolve um, into the quarterback that, I mean, last year um, it used to be tank for Tua um, before, um, everything happened, but, um, I, I really think that they, they want to get him comfortable. Um, and they want to bring talent around him. Yeah. They brought in a few guys at receiver. Um, but I just think they see an opportunity here with Waddle, um, that they, that they jump at. Um, it's not one I'd make, but I think it's someone that they do. Next number seven overall. This is where we have a couple of different QBs <laughs> go off the board. And teams. Uh, and Foose, teams. keep it rolling. Uh, tell us yeah. about your trade-up with uh, Washington. Yeah. Um, Washington's a team I see at the quarterback position where they have a huge question mark. I mean, they have Fitzpatrick, who's – I mean, you know what you're getting with him, but that's for a year. Um, you have Heineke, who had one game. Um, I don't think Ron Rivera is going to bank on that. Um, I think he would rather invest in a young quarterback like Trey Lance. He can, has time to sit under Fitzpatrick, um, can even come in late in the season. We saw that with Tua last year when he sat underneath uh, Fitzpatrick. Um, and a team like the Dolphins, who also had that playoff opportunity, and the same thing is there with Washington. Um, and so to me, um, the Lions are a team I don't think that they're going to take a quarterback now that they have Goff. They have near zero receivers that are relevant um, and to draft a quarterback there and have like no talent around him beside Hawkinson. Um, I don't think it's a good idea. And so I think they're going to go trade back, get some more draft capital, try to build up receivers, try to build up everything there um, in Detroit and Washington's, I think a team that's uh, looking to move up, take a, one of these quarterbacks that starts to fall. And I think Lance is their guy. And Chris, you decided that Detroit doesn't believe in Jared Goff and is going to pull the trigger on Trey Lance. <laughs> so I, I believe Trey Lance is a project. Um, to me, he's a high risk, high reward guy. Of mm -hmm. uh, We're not going to know for a few years um, what Trey Lance is. I mean, one, one of the few, I guess one positive you can say about Mac Jones, um, while his ceiling is not that high, I think 
we would all say, okay, we know what Mac Jones is, at least. You know, we, we kind of have an expectation of what we think he'll be. Um, so Trey Lance has some time to develop. Uh, I read somewhere Detroit can get out of Jared Goff's contract after the 2022 season with a minimal cap hit. Yeah. And, and so to me, you know, are you banking on Jared Goff who, you know, lost his starting job to with the Rams? I don't even remember their backup quarterback's name, um, which is terrible. Um, do you guys remember the backup in, in with the Rams? No, but I remember they had some does. guy who came off the street, right? Like he was, yeah, came out of school. And so I can't believe that Detroit is saying our window John is Walford. now. Yeah, our window is now, and so we've got to build around Jared Goff. I more see it as, hey, we can get a guy that we can stick behind Goff for maybe a year. Maybe toward the end of the year we could put him in, and then you know Goff can be the backup for year two, and then we can kind of move on from him. Um, I just think if he's there, they'll probably I, th- I could see them taking him. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Especially yeah. you, you're never going to be upset that you had extra quarterbacks. You're, you know, we saw New England flip quarterbacks for backup. Well, you can't be upset. You have extra quarterbacks, but um, <laughs> well, speak for yourselves. No, here, here's the frame. <laughs> See, Foose, the idea was multiple like serviceable quarterbacks. Just because yeah. they play a position doesn't necessarily yeah. mean they have value. <laughs> um, so I did something that I don't believe is going to happen whatsoever, but I think should nice. happen, which oh, okay. I think New England, if you see Justin Fields fall to seven, should be rolling up and getting him. Now, originally I had another team trading up. I don't think Miami's going to trade with New England the same way division rivals wouldn't. So they're going to come up and get Justin Fields. Cam is not the guy long-term. He just physically can't hang the same way. Um, Justin Fields could be there, develop, and then Belichick has his, I'm going to prove Tom wrong, QB. Now, I also cannot imagine New England trading up for anybody, but I definitely think they should. So... That's why I went Justin Fields. I agree with what we talked about before. I think he should be number three, possibly even number two. But yeah, draft be crazy, yo. Yeah, it's um, the Lions. There's a lot of options. They have a lot of holes. Yeah, um, they have a brand new GM and uh, coaching staff. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think they're definitely a team that that can trade back. And same with the the next pick with the Panthers. And Uh, I'll even say, Foose, I think they should trade back. I I really do think they should trade back. They're going to be rebuilding for a couple years. I I think they should do that. Yeah. I'm just interested to see if they will. Yeah. I think they're one of those teams that's probably going to be back up in the seven through one range again next year. Yeah, uh, I agree. Looking at their roster. Uh, But yeah, down to the Panthers at eight. They, um, we we both we two of us had trades. Foose, you yeah. you had Chicago wanted to uh, just crowd that QB room as much as possible. <laughs> Gotta love it. I I can't imagine um, Matt Nagy was actually serious when he said that um, they had found their guy, and I can't even remember his name now. Um, he was your quarterback, Andy last Dalton. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. The Red yeah, Rifle. That's how good. He, that's how good he is. <laughs> um, like 
Pace and Nagy are on the hot seat. And they're going to be rolling with Andy Dalton. Like, there's no way. Um, so here's my there's thing. There's just no way. I think they're willing to give up whatever it takes to move up and take a guy like Justin Fields, who they know can pl- come in and win them, win them some games. And sell some hope. Foose. Yeah. I, I think Chicago should do that. I read <laughs> that they didn't even go to Trey Lance's pro day. You know, and so that that kind of blew my mind that, yeah, they're in a team where I agree that Nagy is on the hot seat. How are you not going to all five of these guys pro days and then just calling up each team and seeing what you can do? Um, So, yeah, what you have, I I feel like they should do it. I'm just not convinced that they will do it. You know, (laughs) what are the odds they draft fields like this? And then they have a couple of backup QBs crowded room and then they flip it maybe that's their play they flip one of those other backup qbs for like yeah. a late round pick i mean it's easy to flip foals he's been flipped quite a few times dalton i think staying but uh, yeah it's i just can't see chicago who's kansas city's backup chad henny uh, yeah chad henny yeah, reuniting with reuniting with andy Reed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I I actually had a trade up there as well, so it's not unknown that Justin Herbert has been pounding the table to get his Oregon teammate Bray sold. If he's dropping down this far, I wanted to see some movement. I wanted to see some fun. I think uh, you have Carolina who's wanting to get out of that pick. Uh, if one of those top QBs is not there, so they try to get out. And I've heard that they're trying to get down just a couple picks, not trying too far. So that's where I ended up putting them, and you'll see how I set up their pick later on. But you get the Chargers, they get their left tackle, they get their teammates back together. To me, that's a storybook. It's probably not going to happen. You'll hear me say that a lot today. <laughs> but I think that is a solid pickup for them. I'd read that storybook. Yeah. A lot of, see, a lot I- of alumni that we have in our that I have on my box of reuniting but yeah. <laughs> that's probably a product of hey if you're a good talent you're going to go to big programs and you're going to play together so <laughs> take it away chris yeah i i've got slater going to carolina and carolina basically doing for sam darnold um what the jets never did uh putting pieces around him and all of that so you you have a key piece on your line that can protect him They've already got some weapons on that team um, that he can throw to. Mm -hmm. And so to me, if you're going to trade for Darnold, give him every chance to succeed. And this to me is giving him every chance to succeed. Agreed. I think they would love that pick if they got there. Yeah. I mean, I think you're going to have some teams that have Slater ahead of Poole, of uh, Sewell, Pate Sewell. Dyslexic greeting today. Um, Moving right along. Man, if we uh, we might just take this entire hour just going through these picks. Uh, we'll go right. Into- I'll speed it up. I mean, I got Sewell here at tackle for nine with the Broncos. It's just best player available. Yeah, I think the Broncos are one of those teams that they're just gonna they're steady Eddie. They're just gonna sit there at their pick and just take best player available. And I see that being Sewell here. And Chris, that's where you have New England coming up. Looks like we are in the same yeah. page, the same location. So, just when they come up. So John. Um, you said earlier that you can't imagine New England trading up for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And any other year, I would agree with you. 
But man, they spent a lot of money in free agency this past offseason. Um, and we can debate on how well they spent that money, um, but they spent a lot of money. And so I, I feel like Bilicek, you know, is kind of pushing 70 at this point. I think his window is now. I think he'd like to win sooner rather than later. Yeah. And everything I'm reading is that they love Fields. Um, and so I think Fields is their guy they'd like to trade up for. Um, for Denver, um, the guy that I have them picking a little later on, I think will actually still be on the board at 15. Um, so it works out for them. They get their guy that they wanted anyways, and they get to acquire more draft capital. Um, but any other year, I agree. I don't see New England trading up. Um, I, I think this is the year. I think they love fields. And so I see them pulling the trigger here. Yeah. No, I, I would be, I think they should. Yeah. But it's it's one of those, the, the same reason you're going to see my pick for Deborah 10 for Dallas is <clears throat> if an organization shown a trend for a long period of time, you got to prove me wrong before I believe you're going to do something else. <laughs> so that's Micah Parsons, I think, <clears throat> with the quarterbacks wiped out for Denver. Um, I think they need linebacker. They need some playmakers on that defense. I could easily see them going quarterback here as well. Um, so I could see them taking Sertan um, as well. But Micah Parsons, you know, if he off field issues, you know, stay to a minimum. If he buys in, uh, he he has that potential to be a you know a top five linebacker in the NFL potential. And so I think that's where those traits kick in. Yeah. And then number ten across the board, Dallas, number ten with a bullet. It, I mean, I feel like when Jerry Jones makes statements like we're going to take the best defensive player available and um, it's not going to be a guy who sat out this past year. Um, I, I don't know. I just kind of take him at face value. Like Jerry's a guy that's just kind of flat out just says what he's going to do sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think it's, you guys need help in the pass protection and certains the, the top guy. Uh, I just think it's an easy pick. I don't think the question of is it, would it be him? I think the question is if he lasts to there. Yeah. yeah, that to me, that's the only way he's not the guy is if somebody jumps up and, and takes him. Or unless you have pits fall, um, mm. <laughs> something like crazy like that no. happened. Not going <laughs> to happen. However, yeah, uh, I do think the two offensive linemen should be rated above them. However, rumors I've hear if Sewell fell, they might lean that way. Because he could play guard and eventually swing over to tackle. Um, but I don't know that they feel that same way about Slater. Because they see him as a guard, even though they've compared him to, hey, this is the next Zach Martin, where you play tackle and then switch over to guard. So, yeah, it's Sertan, unless the decision is made for them, or unless there's something completely obvious that even Jerry can't mess it up. And then... We, we all want the same thing with number 11 overall with the New York wide receivers. <laughs> I really think it's a coin flip. From Alabama. Two. Alabama wide receivers. Yeah. See, we didn't talk about busts in the one segment, but Jalen Waddle's my bust. I just don't – I don't like drafting receivers in the first round primarily on speed. Um, I just – you look back at all the guys that have, that's happened to um, – and it just doesn't end well for them. I, I like Smith. I mean, just incredible production. 
um, people have compared him to like Marvin Harrison. Yeah. Um, I mean, his weight's low, but uh, you'd have to think a guy playing in the NFL, working out with NFL teams, he's going to get bigger. I mean, you can say that about Alabama too. Um, I think he said the other day, you know, we're not, we're not weightlifters. We're NFL players. Um, ultimately, though, the Giants, they need to make sure that Daniel Jones is their guy. And so they're just yeah. going to put talent around him. I think for Waddle, this would be a good situation because I think he doesn't have to be the number one guy. They signed Kenny Galladay, and in a lot of ways, he's kind of the compliment to Kenny Galladay that he can be their deep threat and all of that. Um, it's tough, Foose. In some ways, I, I agree. Um, some people have made the Tyreek Hill comparisons, and I almost feel like that's not fair to Waddle to almost put that on him before he even plays a game um, to say, oh, he's Tyreek Hill and all that. Um, but I, I mean, I think we're mostly on the same page. I, I, they'll go receiver here for sure. Yeah. They, they want to stretch the field. And so one way yeah. or the other, they need some weapons to do so. I, I almost put Slater here. However, they've invested in offensive line. Doesn't mean it's played paid off for them, but, <laughs> um, so like they, yeah, they drafted Andrew Thomas last year. Who was probably yeah. a lot of people's fourth or fifth best tackle, but they're like, no, so we won. And they had <laughs> – um, who's the guard they took in the second round a couple of years ago? Maybe it was late first. Hernandez, Hernandez yeah. Because yeah. he was he was linked to Dallas. He worked out with Dallas for a while as well. So, yeah, same page. Let's keep this rolling, moving right along as we're burning through 12 through 21. Foose and your Philly Eagles are on the clock. Yeah, um, J.C. Horn is my pick here at 12. I think we desperately need defensive backs. Um, We have a brand new uh, defensive coordinator, um, and our depth chart at defensive backs is so thin. Darius Slay is our best player, and he's on the downward slope of his career. Um, You know, best player available. I think he is probably the best player available, at least on my board. there's so many different rumors you hear, whether it's, you know, Philly always loves drafting um, offensive or defensive linemen and Quiddy Pay has been put here. I can't see a guy like Slater um, unless they wanted him at guard going here. Um, and anyone else, it, it really is just like you can trade back um, for someone if you value them. I, I could see them trading up for Sertan above Dallas, but um, if you're staying here, Sertan's gone, Horn's available. Um, it would come down to him, Smith or Waddle, um, for me and Horn's the last guy I have. So that's who I went with. Yeah. And I like that you poo pooed all over my pick already. Uh, <laughs> I did take Rashawn Slater <laughs> for you guys. Cause I think you do, you play him a guard. I think he's one of those plug and play. He is that Zach Barton. who's probably going to be pro bowler his first year. And I saw your guards that try to get lost for the middle of plays and give up during the season. So I thought, let's help him out. I If if you could tell, let me ask you this first. If you could know I can get a Zach Martin right here, or I could risk it on J.C. Horn, who has high upside, if you could guarantee it was Zach Martin-esque, would that change your mind? I just don't know. I, there's some guys later mm-hmm. that I really like. Um, that you can take, I think, for a guard. Um, guy I really like is uh, Creed Humphrey, if we're to do a two-round or three-round mock. 
Um, he's a guy you can play at guard and move to center once Jason Kelsey retires. Um, same with that guy from Wisconsin Whitewater, like Quinn Minerez or something like that. Quinn um, Myers. He plays, or, yeah, he was like a pro, yeah. uh, senior bowl invite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A guy like him, um, play guard and move to center um, type of thing. The Eagles, though, like they had um, Mylotta left tackle. They have Lane Johnson at right. And then you have Andre Dillard, who was a tackle they drafted first round back in 2019, I think it was. Um, he could be a guy that they actually trade um, during the draft. But I just don't think that they're going to want to add another guy that um, in, in that tackle at this high. The Eagles, mm. it seems like, like to um, draft tackles, guards later and develop them. I mean, we have an amazing offensive line coach in Jeff Stoutland. We got guys like Driscoll and Herbig last year who we drafted late, like day three, day two. And they came in and um, were very capable starters. And so I think that's what's going to end up happening um, here. Anything could happen. They could draft Slater, and I wouldn't be too upset with the pick. But I think uh, a guard type player that you want to start now is available later. Gotcha. And Chris, he went with Smith here. Slides on down to Philly. It feels like a pick they would love as well. Yeah, I think they would. You know, we were just saying that the Giants need to kind of figure out Daniel Jones this year and all of that. Um, I, I think for Philly this year, you kind of have to figure out Jalen Hurts. You know, is he going to be your guy moving forward? And um, you, you're putting kind of, you know, one of the top receivers in this draft, you know, on that offense and saying, okay, we're surrounding you with another weapon. Let's see what you can do this year. And so I, I think, you know, if it doesn't work out with Hurts, like you lose nothing with this pick. You have a guy who's going to have a long, productive NFL career you know, hopefully I think all three of us agree with that. Um, so I, I think like it helps you kind of figure out, okay, is Hertz our guy? And if he's not, um, you have a guy that you're going to have for a long time. And, and just jumping in quick, uh, both Smith and Waddle are guys that played with Hertz at Alabama before yeah. Hertz transferred to Oklahoma. Um, so it, he's familiar with them. It could be an easy fit for either of them there. Well, I'll, I'll kick it off at 13 and let you know this was tied into a trade I built in earlier. Carolina wants to come back. They want to tar, still try to target a cornerback. I've heard they are in love with J.C. Horn. So original mock I had had J.C. Horn uh, before them trading out. So there's a scenario that both quarterbacks are gone before we even get to number 10. So I still wanted to pair those together. I did consider going back and forth and throwing J.C. Horn here as well. I do think that would potentially be the pick. But the story is, and continues to be, Carolina or J.C. Horn fans. So, Yeah, I, I have Horn here at 13 as well, um, but with the Chargers staying there. And, I, you know, we, we've talked about this before. The gap between Sertain and Horn I don't think is that big. And so I think this is a great pick for them if they can get him, if they can get him here um, in a lot of ways. I think he could go earlier. I just really think the Giants and the Eagles are both going to go receiver um, if Waddle and Smith are both there, um, which kind of leaves Horn falling to 13. Yeah, I have Slater here. Um, I think they want Sewell. Um, I just don't think they're going to want to trade up 
and lose um, that value to go get him. I, I think they they have a guy in Herbert who you know he's your franchise QB. You want to protect him, uh, but you also want to be able to build around him, and you don't want to give up a ton of talent just to um, grab a, buy, a guy because he was um, playing with him in college when you can get a guy in Slater yeah. um, and not have to give up that talent. Um, assuming that Slater's still here, though. Yeah, and I think if, if Slater's here, they're a high five across the board. Uh, like I said, some people got Slater ranked higher up. So let's keep it rolling on down to 14 in Minnesota. Looks like me and Chris went the same thing here with Christian Derrissaw. I do, that, do think they are desperate for offensive line help. Uh, Fusi went at Elijah Vera Tucker. I don't think that's, that's bad at all. I think some people might even have him as one of the top ranked offensive linemen on the board. So... I don't think there's a wrong pick here, but they definitely want to yep. get a tackle here. Uh, any any reason why you – I'm also high on Vera Tucker as well. Any reason you picked him over yeah. Darisol? I've just seen some people that are really high on him. Yeah. Um, I think it gets to the point here where, you know, it's not Slater, it's not Sewell, um, and you're going to have a lot of variance in who you think that the three through whatever, five, six, seven, eight um, with tackles here. Um, and I, I just picked a guy. I think he's uh, very versatile um, at USC, played guard, and then moved outside to tackle and played really well as well. Um, and Vikings need help, so uh, I think they go Vera Tucker. But, yeah, I could easily see Darisol as well. All depends where their board is. Sure. And then let's keep on rolling down through. Uh, 15, we're right. both you guys had Micah Parsons, my original Mike. I had New England taking Mike and Parsons here as well. I think that's a I think that's the stop of the slide for him if he does continue to slide there. Um I through the trades from Detroit coming down, put Jay okay. Because Detroit just needs talent. So you get yeah. so you get somebody who uh, I think you don't want to do what Arizona did last year and get that versatile player and not have a position for him in mind. But hey, okay, you can plug anywhere on that bat on that defense for Detroit, and you've got a a playmaker immediately. But Micah Parsons on either one of those spots. Again, we talked about it earlier with high upside. You guys' overall impressions of Parsons? I think Belichick just goes out and gets his uh, closest thing to Lawrence Taylor yeah. uh, that he had in in New York. Um, you know, you had those character things with Micah, and sometimes people just need a change of location. New England, I think is a place where he can go. And I think he's going to get that good support. Um, but more than he's just an incredible athlete. Um, and uh, I think Belichick's being the coach that he is, would probably love to get a guy like Parsons. in. yeah, I, I feel like with Parsons, he, he's a guy, if not for the character issues is probably a top 10 pick. Um, the ability um, you know, all, all of those kinds of things. I, I think Denver likes him at nine, um, but because of the slide, I think they can get him at 15. They can trade back, get some more draft capital, and still get their guy in Mike Parsons. Which I had them pick it up at nine as well. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how many of these picks we get that are right, but just the wrong order. So yeah. Uh, I think Denver could easily go Parsons as well. Yeah. So. Uh, the rumors are there for a reason. There's a reason we mock people at certain places, but it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Now we all would quarterback for Arizona, definitely with the departure of Peterson, definitely a need on that back end. 
Now, you guys both went with the perceived risk of of Harley, who, of course, yeah. if he if injuries weren't an issue, he would be the first cornerback overall taken off the board. I've already expressed my love for Greg Newsom. So you guys felt safe at 16 overall with Varley. So I I actually don't feel safe. It's more what I think they'll do. Right. Um, you know, I, I think he's a guy, man, just with repeated injuries, that scares me. Yeah. Um, if I'm one of these teams, he's a guy that if he's there in the 20s, I think about trading back in um, to try and grab him. Um, I, I think this is high, but John, you just mentioned it. They lost Peterson. Um, you know, I, I think they're looking to win now and they might say, Hey, if we hit on this pick and he ends up being a top five talent, like we think it can be, um, it might go. And so I, it's tough. I'm not comfortable with it, yeah. but I could see them doing it. You know, I just realized I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because earlier I mentioned if Greg Newsom stays healthy. He'll have an amazing <laughs> career. However, it's the same thing. So maybe you take the higher upside. Eh, yeah. I, I just think teams might be scared off a little bit more, but I don't think that's a wrong uh, I mean, time to take a risk. Farley's just had so many injury things. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, without those, he would be the top defensive back. Wow. Um, I think Arizona is just looking for a Patrick Peterson replacement and he's the closest physical thing you have to that. Uh is it worth the risk here at 16? Maybe, because I think the talent drop-off kind of starts around here um, from the rest of it. But is it a pick I would make? Probably not. So moving right along, I think we have our first big jump in uh, Foo's taking uh, Eric Stokes to uh, Vegas. almost called him Oakland. Vegas with Eric Stokes yeah. from Georgia, the speed demon. Mm-hmm. They might be in Vegas, but they're still the Raiders, and they're still going to do Raider things. <laughs> That's fair. And so um, it's just like, okay, who are the Raiders going to take three rounds early or two rounds early? Or I've even seen some mocks with Stokes in the early second. So um, I have no idea where to put him, but it, he runs, what, like a 4-2 something speed, and they're like, oh, well, we like that. Um, so... Yeah, I think the Raiders will will take him. Chris, here is just. It, I, I guess I gave the Raiders a lot of slack here because I have them making a kind of conservative move, in my opinion, yeah. um, and taking Vera Tucker, who, um, again, I think John said it earlier, he's a plug and play guy. He can put in there right away, and all that. Um, could potentially play multiple positions, play guard and tackle, and so I think, um, that there's not a lot of risk in that pick. Um, so maybe I'm giving Gruden a lot more credit than I should, um, but that's what I think they'll end up doing. Not gonna lie, guys had no idea to do, no idea what to do with Oakland. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. I see safety as a need. <laughs> you mean Vegas? Yeah, Vegas. At least it's not the Washington thing. So I'm like, should I mooring? Most people have a number one safety overall. He could go in the top twenty. He could fall to 25. I don't really see him going beyond 25. However, yeah. and it made more sense for the rest of my draft for, for Vegas to just make dumb picks. Same thing with you. So <laughs> I could turn <laughs> yeah. around and give Miami Elijah Vera Tucker after to follow up with the offensive lineman. It made the most sense at 18. So I let them not be smart. I think that'd be a great pick. <laughs> yeah. 
if they make if he made it there, that'd be a great pick. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, I have him going Jalen Phillips. I think they um, need some more edge stuff, uh, some more edge guys. Hometown Miami, yeah, um, guy, and I mean he just is. I think shooting up draft boards with his um, with his last year of play without Rousseau and with um, his pro day. And so Miami has a few picks. I think they, they'll go um, edge here. Could be pay, but I think Phillips is their guy. Yeah, I, I had pay um, also realizing the need for edge. Pay is one of the hardest guys to do a mock draft for because he, you know, has been rumored as high as Philly at 12. He's been rumored as low as somewhere in the high twenties. So his range is really, really big. Um, and I, I think we can agree. This is probably a weaker draft for edge rushers. And so it's hard to evaluate. Okay. So, you know, let's say pay and Phillips are the top two guys. Um, so we know they're one and two somehow, but where do they rank with all the other prospects on the board? Um, I had a really hard time trying to decide where pay would go, um, but seeing Miami's need, I put pay there at 18. And uh, I'm going to steal the thunder uh, a little bit here for number 19 because Washington is going to get their quarterback at a reasonable draft spot for him. Mac Jones goes 19 number overall to the football team in Washington. Is he just Daniel Jones, by the way? Is he Daniel Jones can run though? <laughs> okay, so he's less talented. I think Mac Jones is a better <laughs> thrower than Daniel Jones. Yeah, fair. But, but remember, like the uh, scrutiny that we gave New York. Then I think if you, when you have Mac Jones go to number three overall to San Fran, I think it's going to be looked at the same way. Uh, look at who New York could have had instead. Um, so I think that's a if you get a QB to fall in your lap there from Washington, you don't have to trade up to get him. I think mean, that's a good fit. Chris, you got J.O.K. I feel like the Bears would have to trade up if that's yeah. Originally, I had Chicago jumping them up to Miami, but I just I already had Miami trade. I'm like, I'm not going to do a double trade. But I could, I would definitely see Chicago jumping them. It, it's interesting, John. Like, if Jones were to fall to 19, I, I don't think that's a bad pick there. Of They're not giving up any draft capital. Um, you know, I, I've heard some people say that the ceiling for Mac Jones is probably Kirk Cousins. Like that's probably the best case scenario. And on a team, on a team like that, okay, you know, I, I can see it. Um, I hate the pick at three if San Francisco takes him there. But at nineteen, you're not giving anything up. I, I don't think it's a bad move. Um, I have them. I have them basically making their great defense even greater um and i would say as a cowboys fan i would actually hate this yep. pick if they were to add jok to everything that they already have um that is not a defense i would want to see two times a year um rivera is a defensive minded coach and I, I could really see him saying at this point of the draft you know what let's bring in uh davis mills kellen mon kyle trask let's bring in a guy like that Let's not waste the draft capital and, and just kind of see where we are. You mean I can get myself a Luke Keekley all over again, but even more, more, more able to cover. Um, yeah, I yeah. could easily see that. Then we got Foose. Washington's not here anymore because they traded up. Yeah. 
yeah, I have the lions here trading back, and it's just whatever. Um, yeah. With them at this pick, it's just their need. They need Bateman. Uh, they need a receiver, and Bateman's their guy, I think, here. Um, if they trade back, that is. Um, I mean, I, I like Bateman. I, th- I talked about that earlier, but the Lions have a lot of needs. Uh, I don't think it matters who their quarterback is. He's not going to be successful unless he has some decent receivers. Um, and so they just, I think Bateman will probably go somewhere in this range. Um, I see John, you have meant 20 and Chris has meant 21. So I think we kind of all agree somewhere late teens, early twenties for him. Yeah. And then you turn right around and Carolina, Greg Newsom, both you guys were Greg Newsom, but for different teams. So at number 20 overall, yeah. I think what you said already, Carolina needs talent as well. Uh, Chicago needs quarterbacks. Um, I had taken Newsom earlier, so I didn't have Chicago take it a quarterback here because he probably would have been there uh, had I not picked him earlier. But so I went with Rashad, Rashad Bateman there. So just a couple of different switches. Chris, any thoughts on Greg Newsom? Was it a specific thought there, or just like, oh, Chicago needs a cornerback? They need a cornerback, um, local guy who went to Northwestern. And I, I think the upside is there. You just hope he can stay healthy, um, like we've talked about w- with him. Um, and so it's, you know, if he had a better injury history, he's probably a higher pick, no. the 20. And so um, Chicago can kind of take a chance there and hope that he, you know, stays healthy. And why don't you just continue, go on to your number 21 overall? Yeah, I, I like Bateman a lot too. Um, Foose has talked about him a bunch. Um, you know, Colts are in an interesting situation. Um, they're, they have Carson Wentz for the foreseeable future. Um, I know they got Pittman, I think, in the second round last year. Um, T.Y. Hilton's getting old. And so, you you know, I think Bateman can come in and be a difference maker right away. And, um, you know, kind of what we've talked about with a few of these quarterbacks of, okay, let's put Carson in the best situation possible and see if he's our guy long term. Um and if he's not, you know, you, you work that out down the road. But, um, you know, Bateman, I think, at 21 is a really good value. So I think they go there. Yeah, it looks like we all had him 19, 20, then 21. So probably going to be in that range. And then Fusi went with uh, Darisol there, um, I think. Yeah, I went with Newsom at 20 mm-hmm. and then uh, Darisol at 21. I think wherever Carolina drafts. Um, I mean, just look at their division, look at the NFC South and the receivers that are there. They're going to need guys to cover, um, if they want to stand a chance in that division. Um, I think the Colts, um, they know who once is, um, they know, um, the issues that he has and the ability that he has as well. And they, um, just lost, um, was it Anthony Costanzo at tackle? Um, I think it was, I think it was them. Um, and so they need some more protection for Wentz. I've read, um, Chris Ballard, their GM was talking about Wentz and he's like, let's just be real. Our team's going to go how Wentz goes. And if he's healthy, we're going to be doing pretty well. Um, and I think he even compared it to, um, Tampa Bay or no, the, the chiefs and how, um, watching um, Patrick Mahomes down on the ground so much during the Super Bowl 
um, you need guy, your quarterbacks to be able to stay upright. Um, maybe that wasn't him, and maybe I'm just meshing stuff together because there's been so many different things like that going on this week. Um, but I think they're going to draft the best tackle available. I think that's Darasaw here. I think that's fair. And who is the guard they took a couple of years ago? First round? The guard they took a couple of years ago was Quentin Nelson. Yeah. So just adding more. And they said that they said they're not going to move him to tackle. He's going to stay at guard. Okay. Uh, I, I think that's smart for them. I just wonder if Andrew Luck sees all this happening now. <laughs> and just like, where, where was this? <laughs> I heard a rumor that they contacted um, him to, to they, make sure he they wasn't contacted gonna, luck yeah, before, before they traded for Wentz. They traded for Wentz. They're just like, Hey, yeah, I believe how's that. it going? Um, <laughs> I know it's a bad breakup. Hey, <laughs> I'm starting thinking about you. Thinking about you starting to talk to somebody else, but just want to see where you're at. I know you said you wanted to give us some space, but I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, this next pick, guys, I specifically did it just so we could talk about the rumor. <laughs> they came out the, the news report that uh, Rat Report put out uh, that Fousey sent over to our group text that rumor is New Orleans is considering trading up to get in front of Tennessee to get Caleb Farley. So let's talk about it. I th- I really don't see get Farley getting out of 22-25 range. And for so many quarterback DD teams, somebody's going to eventually pull the trigger. So whether that be Arizona or anybody else up there, I would be surprised. But New Orleans, again, you talked about it earlier, NFC South. Got to get people that can cover. And after you get out of the 20s, risk starts becoming negotiable. I don't know. I don't know if they'll do it, but we did hear that rumor, so we'll see how that plays out. But you never know how much is smoke. This late in the rumor mill, I feel like it's just guys like the Saints are like, oh, we want like Asante Samuel Jr. or someone like that. And they're like, let's just see how we can try to stack the draft in our favor so that happens yeah but well we'll yeah you know, that's a speculation we'll keep it on rolling and so i almost went wide receiver at 22 for tennessee just because of the way i played out receivers earlier they also need a what a line help so this was really one of those darts they threw I'm not 100% sold on the idea of this, but you guys both went Elijah Moore. Moore is just a guy um, who can do quite a few things in an offense. He's a gadget type player. He's a great in the slot. I believe he even does returns. Um, I think he'd be a good complement in that offense. And they just, they need more receiver help. Now that Corey Davis is gone, I know they're completely different molds, um, but if Tennessee, they've had a, a window open for a Super Bowl run these last few years. And if they want to keep that open, I think they're going to need to take um, a receiver here to try to get some more uh, talent around Tannehill and Henry. Yeah, I I feel the same way, Foose. He's a guy that's rising up draft boards. Um, I feel like over the past couple of months, every week it feels like he's he's rising up. And they don't really have a guy like him. Um, They don't have um, that kind of do-it-all receiver and all of that. I completely agree. I think their window is a few years. Um, you want to maximize that um, that offense while Derrick Henry is in his prime. Um, and um, we started this pod talking about the short lifespan of running backs, right? So, like, you you want to take advantage now um, of having a running back like that. And 
I just think he's a great compliment for them. Yeah. My only counter for, and I do believe that's true. They need wide receiver help. My thought process here, as I don't hear what you guys talk about, reminds me it's wide receiver depth is available. And we saw it with Zeke. Your offensive line gets hurt really hard to run where there aren't holes to run. So taking advantage of that strength, build on strength on strength. I don't think Dallas did that as much as they needed to when they had that type of game rolling for a while, but I don't think there's a wrong pick. They just need talent um, either way. So number 23, the Jets come back around. And I think we all picked an edge rusher here. It just depends on how these, how these war rooms feel about a player. We talked about it earlier. Quitty Pay could be high, could be low. I've heard the the kid from Penn State, Chris, who you picked. I've heard him be ranked as the the top yeah. one as well. So you mentioned it earlier. I just they, there's not really a number one clear overall. There's not a Miles Garrett. There's not a Jadavian Clowney. There's not one of these records yeah. that's the clear number one overall. They're all just in a pack mm-hmm. together. Doesn't mean there's not talent there, but I don't. It's really going to be pick your flavor with these teams. To me, it seems like a lot of raw talent of guys that need to be developed. Um, yeah, I agree. And it'll just be interesting. I didn't know where to put pay in this draft. Um, Joe Douglas comes from uh, their GM up in New York, um, comes from the Eagles who love to draft edge guys. Um, combine that with Robert um, Selah um, being a defensive guy, uh, drafting edge guys with the 49ers. Um, and I think Quiddy Pay is a guy that um, – I've heard compared to Brandon Graham, actually. Um, and so I think I think that's attractive to them. And I, I think it's good value here at 23. Um, so I don't know if pay will last this long or not, but I, I think the Jets will go defensive here, probably edge rusher, um, whether it's um, the Penn State guy or uh, pay or even um, Phillips or Rousseau, whichever they value more. Yeah, you know, I it's it's tough. I I had pay off the board at this point. Um, I agree with the point about Sela is that he's he's a defensive minded coach, and so I think he would love the idea of I can draft an edge that I can develop. Um, I had a few of the boards I looked at had um, a way ahead of Jalen Phillips, and so that's why I have him going to the Jets here. Um, but yeah, I think they definitely go edge at 23. Then as we keep going down the board, Pittsburgh, who here's, I'm a, I'm a, we're going to have a little bit of argument here, Chris. <laughs> here, here's my thing. I understand they're trying to replace running back. I get your yeah. thought here. Um, it doesn't matter what kind of car you got if you ain't got gas in the tank. So if yes. you got nowhere to run, it doesn't matter who you put in the backfield. We've already talked about before. Now, I like uh, Tim and Jenkins, 6'6", a big kid, 3'3", inch arms. And really what stood out to me is when he just seems like that Pittsburgh type of player. Like, it just feels gritty. Like, he feels like that type of player. Um, pro comparisons for him, Joe Thune. I mean, if you... You line that up right there. I think it's a good spot. If they address the offensive line at all, I think they'll be there. So, was this – what are your thoughts here on Harris? Was this like, hey, I feel like I need to put a running back in here? So, I'll yeah. say this. 
this is not who I would pick. Sure. Um, this is what I think they'll do, right? And so um, I'm of the belief that this year no running back should go in the first round. I, I think there's plenty of value in the second round um, that you can get the guy you want to get. Um, I've heard that they love Najee Harris. And so the thought is probably he won't be there by our second round pick, um, to which I would just say, okay, trade up earlier into the second round and get your guy. You know, um, I, I've heard that they're looking at him with this pick. Um, again, not what I would do. Cause John, I do agree. Um, you have good linemen still on the board, build your line. And then there are four or five good running backs that will go day two. So if you don't get Harris, um, just get one of the other guys. Um, there's four or five good guys that could come in and start. Um, that's what I would do, but it's not what I think they'll do. Unless they just want that fifth-year option and plan to run him into the ground and then move on. Yeah, they could. I mean, and they could very well think that. I mean, um, they could, you know, <laughs> we saw it with Le'Veon Bell. We saw it with James Conner that they'll say, you know, Le'Veon Bell, hey, I want more money. Oh, no, we're good. We're going to move on. We have James Conner. They run James Conner into the ground. Oh, no, we're good. We'll draft a running back. So they might, they might do that. You know, hey, we'll have this guy for five years and then – um, we'll push him out the door. We'll draft somebody else. Yeah. I see Ben Roethlisberger returning though. And I think, okay, they just lost Alejandro Villanueva. Um, and they're going to want to keep Ben Roethlisberger healthy if they have a shot this year for a Super Bowl. Cause I think this yeah. is probably his last run. I could also see though a guy like Najee Harris, cause he can also take the pressure off. Um, not in the same way that, a, uh, offensive lineman would, but um, if you have a guy in the backfield like Harris, you can catch and run the ability he has that helps as well. Something, whether it's tackle or running back here, something to help out Ben Roethlisberger and try to get them over the hump to get another Super Bowl run. You know, it's since you brought up Ben, they're a team that I think, you know, we talked about Mills, Pitts, and Kellen Mond, um, that I could see them taking one of those guys. I, I mean, I don't know how much they believe in Dwayne Haskins, um, you know, being their future. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they do. Um, but I, I think they're one of those teams that they're saying, okay, this is probably Ben's last year. Maybe he has one more after that. But this is probably Ben's last year. We should get one of those guys on day two and see if he can be our long-term solution. All right. Zipping right in. We're going towards the home stretch. Jacksonville, who is number one, is on the clock, is now number 25. You guys both went with Trevor Mooring. This is also a range I could see him going. Uh, 25 range. I went with Kadarius Tony, the wide receiver. Florida stays in Florida. Uh, give your QB a weapon. So I think this is an option here. I wouldn't be surprised with anything Jacksonville could do here. The Jags have so many picks. Um in this draft, they can they can really do whatever they want. Um, I just think it's best player available. Uh, I'm not sure receiver here, but maybe it all depends. I mean, uh, they still have Chenault, who they got last year, who I think kind of um, is a really good playmaker. But you have a new um, regime coming in; they could want something different. I I just think Mooring. This is about his range, and uh, the Panthers um, could use a guy like him. Yeah, I did the same. Jaguars. Best player available. Yeah, yeah. Here, and I've just heard Tony Ruber to them. Uh, so, if he falls into the second round, 
that might be a target spot yep. for there as well. So I just was matching players with teams more than anything when you get down here. Uh, we keep going mm-hmm. down. Number 26 overall. I've mentioned this before. They need some space for it. Who is a defensive front that could maybe afford to have a player that can't play all three downs? Barmore could go here. This is the only first-round spot to me that makes sense, is it, Cleveland? Otherwise, I see him mm-hmm. falling out of the first round. Chris, I see you went with him as well. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, they they signed Jadavian Clowney, um, so I don't think they're drafting an edge here. Um, you know, you have Denzel Ward in their secondary and all of that. Um, you have Landry and Odell Beckham coming back, so I don't think they go receiver. Uh, and so I think this is a spot that you could take Barrymore um, and just kind of see what you have. I, I agree, John. If he doesn't go here, I think he falls out of the first. Um, but I think they can afford to take him yeah. here. Yeah, I have JOK here. I'm not sure if he falls this far or not, but I think he'd be a really good fit in Cleveland. Um, and like a, a tweener linebacker, I'm just not sure some of these other teams above them are looking for a guy quite like that. Um, I think it would be a really good pick for Cleveland if he falls this far. Um, I just couldn't find a fit for him, and so that was about it here. It, it feels like this late in the draft, it's like, okay, how are we going to match up some of these guys, or what yeah. What um, what fits are we going for? Um, like my next one with the, the Ravens, I mean, they're, they have two picks now at the end of the draft. What are they going to do? Um, I, I just felt like the Penn State edge rusher here is probably a good fit. Um, but there's a few other guys that they could easily take. Yeah. I went Nick Bolton. I've told you I'm, he's one of my favorite linebackers. As far as a true linebacker, of course, love JOK. Um, here, right there. And if he was went at 26 overall, Ravens fans would just be throwing pens, I think, at that point, because he got him right there. <laughs> uh, a player who's just going to be smart. Got to play hard, can diagnose and fit in the system. And Baltimore just has that propensity of we're not going to get too creative with it. We're just going to pick our, our best player available. But I think that within reason comes in here. And that's why I went with linebacker Nick Bolton out of Missouri. Yeah. I I went with Tevin Jenkins. You replaced the, you replaced the tackle you lost um, in that trade. And then that kind of frees you up at 31 to get an additional weapon. Um, so that's that's why I went with Jenkins at at 27. And Foos, I see that you, we both went with Jenkins. You went with him at 31. I went at 27. Yeah. Um, when I looked at him, he played right tackle, I believe, at Oklahoma State. And I think one of the things that Baltimore is going to um, be asking these tackles, whichever one they draft, because I think they will draft one, is are you fine not playing left tackle? Yeah. Um, because, I mean, they have Stanley, and they don't need um, a guy that can play left tackle. They need a guy that's comfortable being that guy at right tackle. Um, and I think Jenkins is a good fit. Whether it's 27, 31, um, I don't think it makes too big of a difference. And on that note, me and you, Chris, both put went with Terrence Marshall Jr. with them at 31 as well. We'll come back down to that here in a little bit. 28, I had that tray with Colts on the clock. Like they need an edge rusher. All right, put Quiddy Pay up earlier. Jason Noah just seemed like a natural fit there for for need and where we were at in the draft. And the, there weren't any other real blinking lights for for Indianapolis for where I was. 
You could argue the wide receiver, but again, I wanted Elijah Moore to go to Green Bay because mm. that's our wide. Uh, yeah. play. There's a little bit of manipulation. Probably not where it's going to happen, but I like to create some storylines. But you guys had 28 with the Saints where they didn't trade in you guys' world. Yes, Avon Collins is a guy I talked about. He's one of my sleepers. I think 28 years, excellent value for him. Um, I don't know what it is. He just feels like a good fit in New Orleans. Um, that's about all I can explain. Chris, did you get some insight or some rumor or something I missed? I, I, I didn't. I mean, I think just looking at some of the scouting stuff and, and all of that, um, the physical ability, I, I think, is, you know, is it's off the charts. And Fus, you use the word value. That's what I saw here at 28 of this is a guy that could potentially go higher. And, um, you know, I, I think even being at Tulsa probably scares some teams off, which is why he's probably lower on the board. Um, but he's one of these guys that I think at 28, you almost have to take him, um, you know. Um, you don't want you don't want him to fall. You kind of have to take him, and I think he can play right away. So I, I, that's why I had New Orleans taking him there. Yeah, Saban Collins was at a school like Alabama, LSU, something like that, and played linebacker. He'd be going a lot higher, I think. Yeah, I agree. Well, it seems like we definitely have a consensus that Green Bay tries to right their wrongs from last year. Yes, get Aaron Rodgers a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they even made a statement. Was it yesterday or today that Rodgers is their quarterback for this foreseeable future, which is really just like what changed between this year and last year? Like you had Aaron Rodgers, yeah. you know who he is. Like this shouldn't be a shock to you. Um, Rodgers is chip on on the shoulder guy. So since his draft, so yeah. piss him off. Go get an MVP. Tell him can't. <laughs> He's gonna tell you what's up. Yeah. So I mean that that team has. They're going to look back on the career they had with Aaron Rodgers, and they're just going to be kicking themselves that they didn't do more to support him over his time. Talk about a talent that probably will never see the levels of success that he probably should have gotten. And he had some support there. Yeah, I agree. We talked about Baltimore back again. We talked about those picks, Terrence Marshall, Ter- Terrence Marshall. I promise I can read mm-hmm. with my glasses. So we got Tevin <laughs> Jenkins. And then the Super Bowl champs rounding out the end of round one. Are you just going to ignore the uh, Eagles trade there? Oh, yeah, I saw that they traded oh, back up. Oh, interrupt. Yeah. Gotta speak up. Yeah, so Philly, <laughs> Philly trades back up yeah. at number 30 overall. Gets back into the first round. We've got some drama. Yeah, I just, um, after Howie last year, uh, let Justin Jefferson slip um, past him. Um, I think he's going to go out and get his guy that he wants at receiver. We have 11 picks this year, and so we have lots of ammo. Um, we also have a guy of the name of Zach Ertz still available. Buffalo is one of those teams where this pick is just a luxury pick for them. They have an amazing roster. Yeah, um, I've seen Travis Etienne mocked here. Um that could happen. That's just like such a luxury pick. It's crazy because they invested two mid-round picks in running backs, and they're two decent ones, just not home run hitters. Um, but I think that uh, getting the guy like Zach Ertz 
for the Bills could really help out because he's already an established guy. Um, mm-hmm. a 12 personnel would be great for them. Um, and the Eagles are able to move up. Apparently they love Terrace Marshall. That's just a rumor I've heard for a while. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of his, but they he's a big guy in the slot that took over for Jefferson and did a really good job. Um, and so I could easily see Philly trying to move up, especially in front of Baltimore, um, try to grab their guy. That's an interesting point there, Pius, about Ertz going over there. Imagine Buffalo having the middle of the field attack being Ertz and Beasley. Um, yeah. Former Diggs going over yeah, the top. That's a uh, yeah, a nice combo there. So I completely I forgot number thirty existed whatsoever. Apparently, <laughs> just went blind to it. I had the Bills taking an edge rusher, just add more talent to the defense. It was really just hey, let's throw something just to add to the swarm that has been their defense for the past couple of years. I think you said it. There's not a there's not a batter or good pick right here with Buffalo. They're already a stack team. Yeah. That's what's going to get them over the Chiefs. Yeah. And then, Chris, you had Jalen Phillips there, another edge rusher. Get pressure on the QB. That's – Yeah. My, in my mind, he's the best edge rusher available. Yeah. So that's, that's who Buffalo takes. Right. Now, I almost considered him here as well. It was back and forth. And I've just heard good things. But his ease there. Phillips have heard some question marks off the field, but also believe hmm. I have Finney team probably doesn't care as much. Like Buffalo doesn't seem like the type of team that they they give me that vibe. Uh they're just gonna take some good players. But I don't know, maybe maybe a, maybe a Florida kid doesn't want to go to Buffalo. Maybe he botches the interviews on purpose. Yeah. So <laughs> This pick isn't going to make or break their franchise. Absolutely. So. Speaking of a pick that's not going to make or break a franchise, we already touched on 31 multiple times because yeah. I don't know how to follow sequence of numbers. 32, <laughs> Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Bucks. They is I thought I saw a, a article to where this is the first time in like decades to where a a returning Super Bowl champion retained their players that they didn't have people leaving to go sign contracts with other teams, which yeah. is why we probably haven't seen back-to-back Super Bowl champions in a while, which yeah, it's the LeBron James effect ring chasing. Let's stick around. You're having that NBA effect where players are willing to take maybe a little bit less to stick around an area where they think they're going to have success, which is smart. You get on the Super Bowl team. It's kind of like being on the Dallas Cowboys where you're going to have opportunities for a while. Beyond football. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is, I mean, I talked about Buffalo having luxury pick. This is like the ultimate luxury pick here with um, Tampa. Um, I mean, it seems like we just went in the trenches for them. Yeah. Um, I went with Bearmore because uh, he's, I see him still available here because I don't think he's a first round talent. I don't think there is a real first round talent when it comes to, um, the tackles yeah. in this draft, but they um, was it Veta V had some time he was missing last year, um, quite a bit, and then uh, the Dominican Sue is also getting older. So um, I think they're just like you know what, let's just get a guy that can be rotational, um, give them a, a, a break every now and then in snaps, and if he needs to play a game or two, uh, he can come in and do that. Yeah, I would leather more of a need pick. Yeah. I would leatherwood. Um... 
Town Carolina, Alabama. You're not going to be upset you have offensive line depth ever. Yeah. So, especially as Tom gets older, he's not a mobile QB. The more you can add depth there to make sure that he never has a run for your life scenario, you want to ensure that. But, I mean, I could eat just as easily see somebody trading up for the last pick in the first round to get that fifth-year option on somebody. Yeah, I, you know... Foos, you, you've said the phrase luxury pick, and that's that's what I see here, that they can take a chance on Gregory Rousseau of, okay, there's no real holes, no real weaknesses, so why not roll the dice on a guy who a couple years ago, 19 sacks in a season. Um, it's funny, reading an article about him, GMs are all over the place um, with him. Some see him kind of creeping into the end of the first some are saying, man, maybe he'll fall into the third. Like, we just don't know. Um, and a lot have said, okay, we know the issues, but we can't unsee um, what we saw a couple seasons ago. Um, I just think Tampa Bay, too, um, kind of a high accountability system right now. Um, and so that's that's where a guy like that can maybe thrive. Um, so it's, it's definitely a boomer bust pick, but I think they can afford to make it in the position that they're in. Um, so I could definitely see them going Rousseau at 32. Yeah, they're they're a big question mark. I think one position they will not take is running back. Um, yeah, they're pretty set there. Receiver, quarterback, tight end, but trenches. I think is, um, but I think what John said too. Just looking for that team to jump up and. Um, take a guy for a fifth year option or a guy that they think is going to go at the beginning of the second round. Um, Baltimore did that not too long ago with Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, we, Kyle Trask, Kellen Mon, Davis Mills. If there's a team that loves them, yeah. I'm going to hear another team that loves them that this is a place for them. But um, yeah. Who knows? And if you had anybody fall, cause you, if you have anybody that's falling down, on draft board you have somebody that's maybe projected as a top second round <clears throat> pardon me second round talent or like a mid first round talent but they're i don't know if they're going to be able to get him at the third pick in the second round or somebody else wants to jump up ahead of time there's two picks that are usually the most value in trades for draft it's the end of the first round beginning of the second those beginning of the next days where everybody gets a chance to reset their draft board then you have people get a plan of attack is it something worth trading up for? I think back to Dallas trading up for Demarcus Lawrence. This last efficient edge rusher we see in this draft before it just turns into a bunch of guys. So is there somebody on the board at the end of these rounds that potentially we could reach out to? But one thing's for sure is everything we talked about today, tomorrow there's going to be new news that comes out. It's going to throw a wrench in all of this. But it's fun to see, and I think what we're going to do after the draft, uh, after everything gets said and done and we get a chance to review everything, we'll come back and compare and see how we did, contrast. We'll talk about some undrafted free agents. Uh, we'll go in, uh, maybe get some grades, uh, do some projections on who we think is going to be in the playoffs, who's going to win each division. You know, just ridiculous circumstance, uh, wide, uh, circumstantial, unbiased, but super biased predictions for what we expect to happen over the next year. But 
Otherwise, we're coming up on two hours. It's a lot of content we put out for you guys. Uh, we appreciate you sticking around. If you like hearing what we have to say, you want to follow along, uh, we are friends and foes. It is a football show. You can find us where podcasts you have on your devices. Right now, Apple and iTunes has been a little tricky with us. So we're trying to work some tech issues out with them. Also, we're going to find links to the YouTube channel and post this up as well. But for Chris Cortez, Michael Foose, I'm John Damon. Thanks for sticking around, guys. Y'all have a good one.